Hello and welcome to episode number 53 of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. For those of you who are listening for the first time, my name is Julian Carl and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Synergen Group and once again really happy to be here with you. I'm passionate about all things leadership and management, so passionate in fact that I decided to start a podcast about it and here we are in season two. My purpose for the podcast continues to be the same, to raise the standard of leadership. In today's show, I speak with Emma Bannister, who is the founder and CEO of Presentation Studio. She leads a team of about 30 and she is one of Australia's leading presentation experts. She can help your presentations have impact and influence, and this means the right messages are more memorable for your audience. Emma achieves this through content writing, the art of storytelling, visual communication, would you rather read the words or watch the story, and presentation delivery. It's how you get a competitive edge and deliver a winning presentation. Presentation Studio do offer a full presentation service and some of her clients are some of the most respected in the industry. They include companies like Telstra, Commonwealth Bank, Qantas, Origin Energy and Microsoft. Emma is also the visual communication editor at Presentation Guru, which is a new digital resource for presentation professionals across the globe. And Emma's book, Visual Thinking, was published in 2017. Now, during the course of the conversation, we explore a number of different ideas. We start by looking back at Emma's leadership journey within the business she founded over 12 years ago and how she is involved as a leader. We also explore what the future of presentations looks like with all the technology and advancing daily. Emma's area of leadership passion is enabling those in her team to be the best they can be, which I think is, is something that all leaders should be focused on. And we also end up talking about the TV show Vikings, where we both discover that uh, we geek out on that show and there's some learnings from Vikings of all things. So keep listening and always would really like to hear your thoughts about the interview with Emma Bannister. Happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian returns in 2019 with weekly conversations with leaders and authors from Australia and around the world, giving you the opportunity to share in their journey and learn from their expertise and knowledge. Julian also shares some of the tools and techniques he uses as a leader, mentor and facilitator, helping you to build your leadership capability and improve your confidence as a leader. Welcome, Emma, to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time to be a part of it so that the listeners have a bit of context. Uh, can you share a little bit about who is Emma Bannister? I'd love to, and thanks for having me. So my name is Emma Bannister, and I'm the founder and CEO of Presentation Studio. And what my role really is is to provide education around what makes a fantastic presentation and I lead a team of 30 people in Sydney and as a business our role is to help people create more effective presentations that uh, really provide impact and value for their audience. So we over the past 12 years we've built that team up to be the biggest in Asia and we really focus on the, the full kind of areas of writing, designing, and then helping people with the delivery of their, of their stories and their presentations. So is there an interesting fact that you could share with the listeners that they may not know about you or, or, the, or your business? There's plenty, probably none that are that interesting. <laughs> the, 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 the ones that are quite um, 
as a business, actually, the, the thing that separates us is that most people don't even know that this service exists. And when you tell them that, oh, you're an expert in PowerPoint, uh, and they, they're kind of really shocked about that as a starting place. So then, then they kind of delve into it and they're like, gosh, we've had some terrible keynotes and we'd really love to, to know more about that. So from a company perspective, that we're so niche that that probably is one of the biggest interesting points about what we do and that we have designers that embrace PowerPoint. I mean, that, that in itself is unique. And I imagine there must be a certain amount of satisfaction about being the, the, the largest at what you do in sort of Asia Pacific. There is. And the growth that's come over the years has, has come from a need and really trying to position ourselves as the experts. And that didn't happen straight away. It was a case of providing a service that could help tidy up presentation slides. And then I knew that there was far more to it than that. And it was a case of, well, we can't make that look good unless we really help unpack what you're saying and the message behind that. So for us, it was around building a team of people that could do that so that as we owned that space, then we could grow and and really help people across Asia. I haven't tried to conquer the world. The timelines for us are just too hard. Uh, I'm originally from the UK and it seemed sensible to try and offer a service from there, but it's just too hard overnight. So we stopped that idea. All right. Well, I'd like to take you back, all the way back to your first significant leadership role. Are you able to share with the listeners uh, a little bit about what that role was? I'd love to. And it's really interesting because my first leadership role was within this company and my, my whole career changed at that point. So in 2002, I arrived from the UK and I had the strong graphic design background. So I would be involved in teams that helped create marketing collateral and material for banks or research companies. And when I came to Australia, I was like, I'm going to create this presentation niche. And so as I started, it was only me as a as a single sole trader person. But over a period of six months to a year, I needed staff. And my leadership role morphed over the period of the last 12 years to, we're still a small team and that we've got 30 people, but that's that brings its own leadership challenges. And as a as very much an introverted designer that used to be so happy, still is happy hiding behind a keyboard. For me, the the massive transition that has had to come is that as not being a natural born leader, I had to really evolve. So what 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 have been your biggest learnings making that transition from the the sole trader into the, the successful leader that you are now? I am still learning and I think that's the biggest thing that any leader can accept is that we are always constantly learning. And what what I find interesting is that as a leader now, I don't even get to do what I set out to do. And that that's kind of been the biggest transition for me. I don't do any graphic design now, so I've had to completely shift that way of thinking. And I started out as I have done with friends in that I was trying to always please everyone. And so as a small team, that was quite easy, you know, four or five of you around a table and your vision and passion is super clear because they hear it every day. So you're like, we're going to do this. And everyone's with you as that. 
and for me the biggest learnings have come from trying to scale that same passion through a wider team and have the managers that are now sitting between me and the rest of the team because you obviously can't directly manage 30 people to have them share that passion and communicate the same things without missing what I believe are the really important bits and take everyone on that journey of, of feeling and believing the same thing. And, and there's been many reiterations of that. We've had different managers, we've had different values to, and different ways of bringing the whole culture piece together. And we've lost it over the years and then we've stuck it back together again and, and rebuilt from that. So how have you actually approached that? that concept of taking uh, your passion and then trying to get that throughout the whole organisation and leveraging the managers that you've got. Have you followed any sort of pathway to try to do that? Uh, learning and then changing. And so the, the we've got a pretty flat structure right now. So at the moment, we don't have a general manager in place. So we did for several years. And right now, I've tried to flatten it out so that we, I have direct relationships with five senior managers. And we have a leadership team that are champions. I have the meetings with those teams every week. And, you know, we do the, the short meetings of 25 minutes. And we, we, we keep everything super tight in terms of timelines and what we're doing. And for us, the living the values is comes through in the everything we do. So whether it's the uh, we have weekly um, culture parties, we actually have a team called the Culture Club. And for us, it's about what are we doing that's fun, or what are we doing that's empowering the team to, to, to develop. All of those key areas come through in everything we do, and the way that we communicate the meetings and how everything aligns back, and even the four core pillars that I have across the business, everything is aligned back to those. So the KPIs for each of the leaders, each of the, um, everyone within the team. So, and they're communicated clearly all the time. So whether it's the monthly company meetings or whether it's the weekly um, team meetings that they each have, it's how everything aligns them back to those core pillars so, I mean, it's simple leadership stuff, but it's around communicating those four pillars so clearly and aligning the values back to the KPIs as well. So, are you able to share with listeners what, what the, those four pillars are? I sure can. I mean, the, 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 the first one for us is around having that obviously being financially successful because if we can't be financially successful, then we can't invest back in our team and the equipment that they need. And also it's around ensuring that they have full transparency over the, the numbers. So every month I'll share how much we've spent, how much we've earned, what the targets are, what all the different areas across the business. So I'm 100% transparent about that. And they can um, pop in at any time and look across the reporting to see where we're at, what teams are doing what. So I 100% believe in that level of transparency and find that they get a lot from that as well. Um, we haven't always been in the past either. So sometimes I think um, unless you explain what the profit really means, people can kind of go, wow, I'm doing all this work. I need to be earning more money. And we've had those kind of problems. And then you explain that that's not 
lining my bank account that that goes back into the business and all those sorts of things and then it makes more sense the second one is around having the um culture um and and it's really around reinforcing the team so that they are living and breathing the values and that they're being empowered to develop and train following their career paths in alignment with what company structure is but having good visibility around that the third one is around um cornering the market so for us it's our marketing development it's the um awareness of our expertise and being the thought leaders in our space and if people think of what needing a presentation then they think of us so that's our goal it's isn't it's a big goal because across asia we want to be known as the experts and we are but we just got to communicate that to to a wider audience um finally it's around developing the client relationships so nurturing our clients so that they themselves become the cheerleaders for us so a company that we often work with large companies but within one team that they love us so much that they that they the ambassadors for us and they go on to share the love for us with the other teams and that's that's the four core areas and everything ties back to those I'm fascinated with your the concept of sharing the the financial success because it's something that I'm actually uh, planning to do with my team uh, early okay. next year, and yeah. it tends to be a, a topic which is very polarizing in that people are either for it or they're vehemently against it. What 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 sort of insight can you share around? I know you mentioned you had some challenges with people thinking, oh, the profit, I should be getting more and all the rest of it. But was was there anything else that you found particularly challenging when you decided to be that transparent? You've just got to really explain what the numbers mean because, um, for example, wages. Everyone knows that that a certain amount of payroll goes out each month and sort of things, or they see the numbers that we're charging and we're invoicing and they think wow I wish I was earning that but unless you explain how it all adds up and then how all the other things trickle out of the account like a tidal wave of insurance and new IT equipment and all of those things then they start conjuring up their own ideas anyway and so I just found 100% the best policy is to be super honest and open about everything and I've got that that's my nature anyway I'll always anyone that comes and asks me I'll give them a, a very honest answer and that that's worked best for me because in the past the feedback has been oh she's we don't understand what we're trying to do we don't understand the targets for the future and I share those too however sometimes that's come back to bite me because then the team can panic and say how on earth are we going to achieve that target she's lost it <laughs> and I'm like no there's a plan for that so you end up in this having to share everything which can intimidate people and scare them so you've got to be careful about how fast you go with that and how much explanation that comes with it well it it's it's it, it, it's very interesting because I'm going to be facing that in January so <laughs> We'll go for it. I mean, at the end of the day, what's what's the worst? I, I, I'm, I, maybe I should do some more research, but I haven't heard enough around what the benefit of not sharing it would be. So um, by making everyone accountable of the targets and where we've got with that, I, I don't see any other way around making everyone part of it. 
And I wouldn't mind just exploring one thing you mentioned there about uh, your culture club. And this is this has come off the back of uh, an, an interview I did with with someone, and they were making, a, in their view, a very clear distinction that there's a significant difference between leading a sales team versus general leadership. I was wondering, do you think there's a difference leading a team of creatives? Would, would that be any different to, to leading other types of businesses? Yes, and my team is incredibly diverse. And to my experience and knowledge, a lot of designers are quite introverted and they love nothing more than sitting behind their computer and just getting into this creative world. And they they need silence or their own music to do that. Also, because we have a very multicultural um, team, a lot of them don't drink. They have different kind of their levels of fun, say, are quite different to other people. So they might be gamers or they might be people that want to go out and play sport or there are others that drink. And so when you bring people together for these cultural activities, you've really got to have a very broad range of activities or um, alliances. And the younger team, so we've got quite a lot of millennials, and they enjoy giving back more than any others so some of the cultural activities that we do now involve going out to um, centers where we might sort of run creative workshops or provide value in some way for a charity and that's what they enjoy doing as a a collective to bring everyone together The, the other thing with the culture club we did actually have to explain who culture club were I thought it was funny I thought it would be um but I had to explain who Boy George was, so that was a bit lost on some people. That's the joys of having a young team. Yes, yeah, I, I, I actually have the opposite uh, in my team. I, we, we're not particularly young, I, I don't think, as, as a team, so I think all my team would know who the, the culture club are. <laughs> I'm, I'm keen to explore some of your, your views on, on leadership. What do, you, what do you think the biggest myth is that you've come across around leadership? I think that for me as a leader, the the biggest benefit comes from listening. And so I suppose the biggest myth would perhaps be that they know it all and that they have all the answers. And for me, I suppose as a child, if I think of my parents or people, other bosses that I've had when I was younger, I kind of always just thought they knew the answers and we did what we were told. But now I think it's morphed a lot more into leaders that listen and then give people the opportunity to fulfill. And, and they group those people to bring people together that can make things happen. And, and that's what I try and do. So I, I think that's probably where I'm at with that. Um, I don't like the truly sort of dictatorish type of leaders where they just tell everyone that certainly wouldn't work in my company. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I'm not a born leader. And so for me, the experience has come from trying to bring the team on board to come up with their solutions, but giving, making them collaborate more with each other so that they can find the best way of doing something and not just go off in silos and then not wonder why everyone knows what they're doing and that is 100% the biggest challenge is alignment across everyone and that's why so much work has been done to go back. Um, my leadership skills, I 
I genuinely find leadership a challenge. I just constantly work at it. I'm constantly trying to find the best way of bringing everyone on board. And I think the best thing that I do is to be completely honest and humble about everything and try and absorb everyone's ideas. And there's actually a great quote. I don't know if you've seen um, or heard. <laughs> this is probably a really tangent sort of thing to say, but there's um, a TV series on Netflix called Vikings, and I'm obsessed with it. It's really gory and horrible, but the, um, there's King Egbert, and he made this quote about how the best thing you can possibly do is learn to listen to the prince and the shepherd. And it just really, really resonated with me. So there's this king telling people that you should be listening to the top and the bottom of the chain. And that really is where you can learn the most, I believe. I love Vikings. I've just finished the the first two episodes of the second part of season five. Oh, there you go. Yeah. uh, And I got the notification on my mobile that – the, the next episode's available on, on, on Apple TV. So uh, I'm a big Vikings fan. Brilliant. Well, you, you, I mean, King Egbert, he was fantastic, wasn't he? Got to love what he has to say. <laughs> I'll have to go back and, and watch now, re, re-watch it. Just <laughs> series, series four, just before he gets, um, uh, oh, I won't ruin it for anyone. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, if you're into Vikings, uh, tune out now. <laughs> I'm always fascinated uh, with this idea of methodologies, frameworks, visual models that leaders uh, use as part of the way they go about leadership. Are there any that really resonate with you? I am very visual. So everything I do is around communicating the the visual insight of that. So that is probably one of my core strengths as a leader. We have very visual org charts. We have very visual structures in terms of the KPIs and how everything fits together. So I am always showing stuff on screen and talking through how it works and how the teams connect and work with each other. I... I mean, my book is called Visual Thinking. So it's it's just what we do. We sit down and we draw things on whiteboards and how things work together. So it's it's how I get stuff out of my brain and then and then communicate it. I just I just draw pictures all the time. And what would you say your biggest leadership challenge is right now? Right now, probably one of my biggest challenges is we're at that tipping point of 30 staff seems to be a tricky one to decide whether we go up or we stay. And I'm also working on the fact that a lot of people now seem to only want to freelance. And that's 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 tricky for me because I'm I kind of want that flexibility of people. I'm trying to gear a team up that can work remotely. Yet within that, the, they obviously want this flex, flexibility and stuff. So we're just really, we're trying to work that out. Um, and we're, we're looking into what can be managed offshore because the, the way that to, to stay competitive, we, we need to have options offshore as well. So we want to balance. I'll never go completely offshore, but we tend to do the highly creative conceptual work in-house and and some of it depending on the project and um, does need to be outsourced so for me it is that scale now of do I even want to scale in terms of a physical team in our office or are there other ways of doing it 
I think that's a big a big challenge that a lot of business owners uh, struggle with because there's a lot of a lot of thought leaders are going around talking about the difference between lifestyle and performance businesses and then they try to match it to annual revenues and all these sort of things and highlight the challenges that you're going to face at each each stage of your journey yeah and the more the more you have in your team the more stress there is for everyone and that's that we we certainly don't make as much money as we used to yeah so it's just a juggle isn't it and and preparing yourself for future changes too I mean we're in an industry that is definitely evolving automation of um the AI within presentation software now is becoming quite developed. So things are becoming easier for people to do themselves. Our core strength has to stay that we help people with that persuasive messaging and the, the, the human side of things, as well as then how they can easily and efficiently create visuals to support their message. And everything's interlinked with the scale of our business and the, the, the change and evolution and innovation of software going forward. So I'd like to explore your area of leadership passion. Mm. So, so if, if, if I asked you, you know, what is it about leadership that you're most passionate about, what would you say? I'd connect back to where I started and that's around the, um, myself being a, a very introverted person. And, you know, I grew up in England being uh, someone that was taught by my parents to not speak unless spoken to and all of those things. So I was really, really quiet. And now when I present and train people on presenting, I really try and help people that are so scared and so fearful of speaking up, whether it's in a conversation or a presentation. So it's around trying to empower people that are not normally heard and make them heard and make them see the value in being heard. Because we tend to only hear from people that have loud voices or so much confidence that they just talk and they don't necessarily have the best ideas or best thinking. So my my role, the, the work that I get really passionate about is helping people that have these ideas and helping them to be heard. And, and that's what I try and do within my team and within our clients. I'd like to uh, unpack that a little. How, well, from a practical perspective, how do you, what are some of the things that you try to do to enable those quieter people to, to, to feel comfortable in, in sharing their thoughts? It starts with helping them to identify the value in what they're sharing and that the nerves don't necessarily come from speaking out loud. They come from perhaps not being prepared enough or not knowing the rules enough. So if you educate someone in terms of how they can structure a presentation to provide real value for their audience, then their confidence really increases. And so then they can practice and rehearse. And, and when they're really confident that what they're saying is right, and they know that the audience really are going to get from this. They start to, it flips around and they start to see the benefit in what they're sharing. And so those are the sorts of things that I, that I help people with and we help people with in their training. And so you really see the difference. You see the, the change within them when that starts to happen. And then if they have visuals that also look good, their confidence really starts to go up. And just little tricks like saying, that level of fear and nervousness that you get in your tummy before you speak, if you, if you remind yourself or inform yourself that that's actually 
those nerves are also the same chemicals as excitement, then you start telling yourself, well, I'm actually just excited and I'm going to go out and do this and share this knowledge and I'm helping people. And it just flips everything around for them. Do you see a, a, a tangible difference in results when they start to feel more comfortable speaking? Does that translate in any way to their, their level of performance? Yeah, and we hear it from the managers mostly. So the the feedback you get, it's not you obviously don't see it straight away, but you know when the managers come back and we help to provide support for them further down the line because everyone goes for training and then what happens you don't really know if they actually implement it. And it's and we do. We get we get sent I've never been anywhere where we get sent flowers and chocolate and because there's so much pressure on people to deliver at presentations whether it's a pitch or a um a team um sort of information thing or even just standing up and talking in a boardroom with your colleagues then there's a lot of pressure on people and after the fact then they get very very grateful you mentioned that you're, you you don't just like doing that for your for your team, but also for your clients. Well, what, what sort of results are they getting once they engage you to support them with creating their visuals? Oh, lots. I mean, they, they it varies from whether it's charity getting sort of funding and 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 financial support from corporates, or whether it's through to leaders communicating their message more clearly. The the, the results that they all vary in terms of what they're actually trying to achieve. But the, the biggest challenge, I think, is that we spend so much time preparing and investing in these presentations that the the payoff has to be that the message is heard and understood from the audience. And so as soon as that happens, then, then the return on the time that they invest is, is pays off. And that's what we see. That's why people come back. And you've written a book? I have, yes. How to transform the way you think and communicate and influence with your presentations. And what, what, why did you decide to do that? Because I've got to say, it's a, visually, it's an absolutely stunning book and I've got a lot of business books and just publishing costs alone, I can imagine, on, on, on this, <laughs> this book. But uh, why did you decide to, to write this? Well, it kind of had to be done in terms of um, positioning myself as a thought leader. You can't be a thought leader without a book. It just doesn't happen, does it? So the, the goal wasn't to, to sell a million books. The goal was to raise awareness to what we do and help people that might not afford our services but give them the rules and tools to follow themselves. And that's all it is. It's, it's, a, it's a super easy flick through. It's very visual. It could not be, and um, it's just a, it's a tool for helping people. It's got five step process of how to think about what you're presenting and how to do it. And and, and what types of people are you uh, traditionally coming to you to seek some help with their, their their visual thinking? It's so varied. And when I started, like years and years ago, we got people just googling and sort of searching for help and one of them was a CEO and I found out um, a few months later that he was one of the CEOs of BHP so, which was quite funny because you don't expect those sorts of people to be um, googling help with presentations and so then it varies through, straight down to we get students that are asking for help um, but mostly 
a lot of the work will be marketing teams that are trying to put together their sales pitches and um, or big bids other stuff will be we do lots of work in um, corporate roadshows and conferences so where you get lots of senior speakers meant senior sort of gms or execs that are all trying to deliver the end of year results or excite teams at sales kickoffs those are the sorts of things where we work by aligning maybe 20 or 30 speakers and get the message consistent and clear throughout the whole event so we scale up to do a lot of those big big projects as well do you do a lot of work with uh, professional speakers and, and, and people that are sort of on that sort of circuit we do some work. It's interesting because a lot of them are very good and they know they're good, but a lot of them could be a lot better. So the, what I find a bit sad is, you know, you go along and you see someone really fantastic as a speaker and they have these terrible slides with some dodgy cartoon or some image that they've taken off Google that they really shouldn't have done. And that brings them down. And quite honestly, those speakers are better with nothing than the dodgy slides that they have behind them and and i i'm very open with that i'll tell i tell them that uh that the rest they're just only amplified by having amazing slides and the for us it's around making sure that the stories and the message is clear and then any visual support should either be good or not there and and that's how we focus we do we do work with some speaker agencies when when they know that their speakers need that extra level and people need to or want to, to really stand out and, and really have an edge over the other people that is, might be speaking or helps them get selected as well. Yeah, there's one of the things that, uh, see, part of our business is being a registered training organisation and mm. there there is this, the, the, the quality of learning materials that a lot of RTOs actually use is quite diabolical and there's this, yeah. this, this it's, it's like a, a white Michelin man type uh, graphic. Oh, yes, which, I know him well. Yeah, everyone uses it and every time I see it, I, I almost have uh, heart pal- palpitations over it because it's so awful, yet they continue to use it. Yeah, with the grey steps and the red arrows, I, I know I know that one and it's, it's really sad because there is so much more you can do and and the trouble is because people get away with pretty dodgy presentations most of the time they don't think they need to change or they don't see anything better and for us a lot of it is around education and the minute you show someone what good is and what the new level of expectation is then they have a serious aha moment and go gosh if we're in a pitch and there's like five or six companies and someone else is doing that there's no way that I'm going to be remembered for this and that's that's pretty significant and also with workshops we do quite a lot of workshops as well because that is maintaining engagement and interest for a, a, a significant length of time so presentations one thing 20 minutes 40 minutes but a few hours you've got to really be doing a, a range of different things within a workshop so with that in mind, are you able to, to share sort of what, what your menu of services are? Because I think that, um, that, that, that there's probably quite a diverse range of, of listeners out there. So I'm keen for them to know sort of what are the, sort of your menu of services that you provide? 
Yeah, definitely. So starting at the beginning, the first thing we always do is to try and encourage clients to have an insight workshop. So that's to really understand what they're trying to do, whether it's a roadshow or a keynote presentation, sales tool, any um, a template for their company, all of those sorts of things. What, what are they trying to do? And then we'll work out who are your, we'll talk to them around who is your audience, what is your objective that you're trying to achieve from bringing people together. Then we'll work out what is the best tool or delivery method for that. So it might be a presentation, it might be an ebook. But for us, it's always presentation centric. So it's having your story and your message, and then how do we deliver that? Then what we can do is provide content workshops or content services so that we actually write that script or story or structure of the presentation. And you can either go away with that and, and work on that yourself, or our creative team can then work with our content team and start to visualize that story and, and information. And it's taking those, say, data points or insights that come from a series of numbers that you have and working out how we can visualize that and maybe animate it or bring video use in and tell that story. Um, So that might be an explainer video, it might be a presentation, might just be a few simple infographics. It really depends on what you're trying to achieve. But our team can take you from having nothing but an idea through to that final piece where you can be in front of your audience, whether that's a coffee shop or an auditorium, and align the audience to to really help you influence the outcome of that. And finally, if it's not that we do it for you, we can train, retrain people. So we have a lot of teams that will come in and they'll um, undertake the storytelling workshop. So we've actually partnered up with an American company called Duarte and we're the only people that can provide the visual storytelling training throughout Asia Pacific. And that's the sort of, that's the the methodology that was used for Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth um, and many of the other Silicon Giants presentations. So we provide that workshop here and that's actually how our whole company methodology works as well. Um, and we provide PowerPoint training, so how to create the PowerPoint shapes and objects quickly and efficiently and use your own business templates to create assets and slides yourself. And then finally, it's the public speaking. So helping people with their gestures, their voice, all of the things that finally bring it all together. And for us, that's that's really important. And that's often where people come in. They say, oh, I need help with my voice or my delivery. And we're like, well, what's your presentation like? They say, that's fine. But then when we, un- when we look at it, we end up transforming that. And then we work on the speaking side because it's often the most become unstuck from not having the, the strong content in the first place. So you're actually offering the full solution. It's a full 360 uh, presentation solution and we are presentation centric. The, the, the fun thing about us and what I've always stayed true to is that we don't touch anything else. We don't touch website. We don't do brand. We don't do print. We do presentations and, and that's really our niche. And, and that's what's, that's what's behind our success. I believe is staying, becoming, being the experts at what we do and, and loving that. I'm curious about the future for for yourself and 
for your business? What is what what is the future hold? What what goals have you set for yourself? So we've got big team goals, and especially in growth through Asia. That's that's we do a lot of work in Singapore, touching a little on Hong Kong, um, but. But we've got we've got plans to to continue to grow. The training side of things is something that we're we're, we're keen to grow as well because that that provides a wider service to everyone. And for me personally, it's around speaking more. So I just love going out and, and sharing my message and and educating people that way. So that's my goal is to continue to speak and share the message of what we do. I'm always uh, curious about uh, leaders that have been in a role for some level of time, how they continue their development as a leader. Yes, it's really important, isn't it? And I think that a lot of people don't invest that time in themselves. So I've had continuous development um, and, and will always do that. And as a, a female leader, you know, there's not, that many people that I look around at and go, who's doing what I'm doing in the same way and who can I learn from? Who do I aspire to be like? And I've joined many networking groups and women's groups and I've recently joined another new one that um, I'm really loving. It's a group of seven or eight women and we share insights and stories and learnings with each other and that's been very valuable for me. And I continue to learn and read. I'm a massive Audible fan, so I'm always listening to different um, Audible books and podcasts like yours. Thank you. Well, it's uh, <laughs> you know, I suppose the reason we started the, our little podcast was because all I do on my drive-in and to and from work is I listen to podcasts. Uh, what You mentioned earlier about... Uh, AI and, and, and the challenge that may bring uh, to, your, to your business, how are you going to deal with that? It's a good challenge in that lots of things are far easier, far quicker for us to do things. You know, I was recently made an MVP from Microsoft, which means that I get lots of doors open to me in terms of the way that the product's evolving and goes to summits and see what they're doing. So there is so much stuff we don't even realize is AI and it's happening, just making our lives easier. And I love that side of it. And for me, it's just being abreast of what's changing and maximizing that and getting being part of the changes and feedback that clients need so that we're really evolving with it. The, the sort of, the design side and speediness of things that will change but the storytelling side the creative thinking the being able to pull that humanness out of the way that we connect that's not changing anytime soon and that's the bit that we're building on you know that persuasive communication comes from asking the right questions understanding your audience and you can't communicate without that so the, the visual side of things will change and get faster, but the, I'm yet to find a computer that will do what we can do. I'm always uh, interested uh, about the types of leaders that people either look up to and inspire, and you, and you mentioned before that you, you're not seeing a lot around there. Are, are there any that at some level give you, give you some inspiration or that you look up to? God. There's not many, and it's so sad. And the the ones that 
do. I mean, right now, no politicians, whether they're English or Australian, are standing out in my books. Of course, most people would say that. But apart from one, actually, there's so, and it's not around the politics particularly, but Jacinda Ardern, I just think she's amazing in terms of her vulnerability and compassion. And in the in the press this week, actually, I was in the UK last week when that horrible incident happened, and the way that she opened up and shared and was practically crying around that terrible murder that happened, I just find her so authentic and. I really value that in a leader. Um, the other person that I always read all her latest books is Brene Brown, and she has a whole piece around um, the power of passion, and um, and she talks about integrity being the, the most important value that humans can have. And for her, it's all around taking courage over comfort as leaders, and that. I love as well. So there's a, there's a few people out there, but not many. We need yeah, more. I think uh, quite a few Australians would uh, think Jacinda Ardern is, 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 would be good for PM of Australia. <laughs> Maybe we should merge. <laughs> I married a Kiwi, so I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people go if they want to find out uh, more about you and uh, the work that you do? Where should they go? Well, great question. They should visit presentationstudio.com and everything you can find is there. The link to my book, Visual Thinking, is on the website as well. And there's a great breakdown of all the services we offer, as well as a ton of resources in terms of books and downloadable white papers and lots of free supportive information to help you. So that's the first stop. And any last words on leadership you'd like to share? It's just around that human connection. That's what we've got. That is, uh, it's back to what Brene Brown says. It's about if we've got integrity, we've just got listen and by listening then we can connect people and and be human don't you've got to lose all the jargon and just go back to doing what we do and doing it as humans and listen that's, that's really what i try and do and that's all we can do couldn't agree more and on that note emma bernster thank you so much for being a guest on the synergen leadership podcast i do want to do a shameless plug on your behalf in that I think everyone uh, should, who's in a leadership position should have a copy of your book on their desk because I know that uh, I'm, I'm start, I've been going through it and getting some ideas and like you say, I think it's a really valuable resource. So every listener, go out and buy one. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Speak soon, Emma. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up episode 53 of the podcast. And what I'd like to ask is if you could head on over to the Synergen Group website and engage in the conversation with us. Tell us what you liked. Tell us who you'd like us to interview. And if you're an iPhone user, feel free to head to Apple and also leave us a review. In next week's episode, which will be our first content episode of season two, I'm going to talk about the importance of setting expectations and give you a couple of frameworks and models to make sure that you're setting very effective expectations for people that you lead. So until then, love to hear what you think and happy listening.